covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Great to have you with us a day late this week. If you are someone who listens to the podcast on an every week basis, you know that we're pretty good about putting this thing out on a Sunday night slash early Monday morning. I try to be disciplined in uh, getting the podcast out at the same time. Every single week, I was getting all set to put it out on a Sunday night, and a little voice said to me, you know what, Monday is the non-tender deadline. There might be some things that are going to change this podcast the way you would do it on Sunday night might be somewhat irrelevant very quickly so why don't you do the rare thing of pushing everything back a day and putting it out monday night that turned out to be a really really good decision based off the events of the uh of monday with the non-tenders with uh players signing with everything so we're going to get into that plus this week is part number three of our uh, three-part conversation with brad ford from brew crew ball doing our full breakdown of the Brewers minor league system. This week we are going to focus in on prospects who uh, topped out in short season ball this year. So that's going to be part of this podcast as well. Really a jam-packed edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. I don't even know where to start, but we do need to get our normal uh, housekeeping uh, items out of the way. If you want to reach out to me, you can do so via Twitter at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Uh, You can also uh, listen to this podcast on 540 ESPN during Doug Russell's Pod Center, and I I would guess he's uh, rolling it on Tuesday. I'll apologize to Doug. I know he relies on this podcast uh, for uh, some of what he does on Monday, so he didn't get to his normal uh, Monday uh, podcast, but he's getting it on Tuesday. I would assume he's going to use it, but a uh, special hello to everybody listening to us on uh, 540 ESPN. And while we're here, while we're mentioning things that are going on from a uh, from a radio perspective, certainly want to mention the WTMJ Holiday Show that is going to be uh, coming up here later on this week. It's actually going to be taking place on uh, Thursday evening. Uh, you've got the opportunity to see uh, some of your favorite uh, WTMJ personalities uh, taking part. And it's going to be a little bit different. If you've been to the WTMJ Holiday Show in previous years, it's been kind of a, a WTMJ take on a on a, on a classic holiday story. Or a, last year it was, a, uh, it was an original story. This year we're doing it uh, a little bit different where it's kind of a kind of a variety show there's going to be some skits there's going to be uh, some game show type things some bits and it's going to be fun it's going to be taking place at the italian community center coming up on thursday evening doors at six the show starts at seven tickets are available by the way at wtmj.com you can also uh, call 414-332-9611 414-332-9611 but we will tell you they are not going to sell tickets Tickets at the door, and the deadline to purchase these tickets is coming up on Wednesday at 12 noon. So, if you want to come to the WTMJ Holiday Show, that is going to be uh, the the deadline for you to be able to get tickets and uh, get in. It's going to be a lot of fun. Look forward to seeing people out there coming up on Thursday evening. All right, so let's get into this. And the week got started with the Brewers making a trade where they send away. 
uh, Zach Davies and Trent Grisham to the San Diego Padres in exchange for uh, left-handed pitcher uh, Eric Lauer. They also got infielder Luis Urias, and they'll either get cash or a player to be named. This deal has implications because of the position that Urias plays. He is someone who can play shortstop. He has been a top prospect in baseball, and there is pressure on Orlando Arcia to perform if he gets an opportunity to be back with the team this upcoming season. If they find a deal for Arcia, now all of a sudden they have somebody that they can put in at shortstop. But this was a, this was an interesting move because I think most of us felt like the team was very unhappy unsatisfied with the offensive production they've been getting from Orlando Arce and getting from the shortstop position. Uh, and now they have seemingly done something about that. Now, Orias could play another position. He could play third base and more about that coming up in just a moment. But when this move is first made, to me, it seems like at the very least, he competes with Orlando Arcia for that starting shortstop job. Or, and maybe even possibly the team moves on from RCF at some point before the regular season begins. So that was the that was the news of the week early on. And, and Eric Lauer is a, I don't mean to just like brush over Eric Lauer. Lauer's a good guy to be able to come in and, and place into uh, the the pitching staff. And uh, you know I think he's going to fit on this team. Uh, last year with the Padres was eight and ten with a four point four five ERA. Does he match what Zach Davies has been able to do? I don't know, uh, but it's it seems like he's a good fit for this team and uh, maybe a good a, a good change of scenery. The only thing I'll say is when you're acquiring a pitcher from the Padres. They're playing half of their games at Petco Park, which is very much a pitcher's park. So you take those numbers and you say, okay, what what happens to those numbers when you put somebody in at Miller Park? So that's going to be one of the more interesting things to uh, watch out for this upcoming season is what happens with Lauer when you're taking him out of Petco Park for most of the time and putting him into uh, Miller Park for the vast majority of the season. Mike Moustakis not going to be back with the team. He ends up signing a deal, a four-year deal with the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, that's a bummer for uh, an, all of a sudden a couple real core guys from last year's team and Yasmani Grandal and Mike Moustakis have been able to get multi-year deals with another team so Mike Moustakis walks out the door and then the reason that we are doing the podcast on a Monday night into Tuesday instead of a Sunday night into Monday is because Monday was the tender deadline and the Brewers made a number of moves. So they sign Orlando Arcia to a one-year contract. He avoids arbitration. They also sign outfitter Ben Gamble to a one-year contract with a club option for a second year, so they avoid arbitration. And then they tender contracts to left-handed pitcher Josh Hader, right-handed pitcher Corey Knable, and left-handed pitcher Brent Suter. The players who have been non-tendered, Tyler Saldino, Travis Shaw, Alex Claudio, Junior Guerra, and Jimmy Nelson. Uh, Brewers general manager David Stearns essentially said with a bunch of those guys that they'd love to be able to maybe bring them back, but they weren't willing to go down the path of arbitration with them based off the numbers that they would probably get in arbitration. There's some surprises there. And look, you can rewind. And when I'm wrong about something, I have no problem admitting that that I'm wrong on something. You can rewind to previous uh, editions of this podcast and you could hear me say that I would expect almost all of the Brewers 
arbitration-eligible players to be tendered contracts. There was just a handful that I thought would not be back with the team this upcoming season. I was wrong on that. I was completely wrong on that. And this was a uh, – they let a lot of guys go. They were talking with Travis Shaw's representation about trying to work out a deal to bring him back. Uh, evidently, they didn't like the projection number that he has for arbitration. And, in fact, Travis Shaw's agent kind of – I don't know. I'm not trying to, like, read too much into anything. But there was a comment made – by Travis Shaw's agent, which if, you know, sometimes sometimes things get lost in translation, uh, but I'll read the quote from you. Uh, and this was to John Morosi, uh, an MLB insider with uh, MLB Network and Fox Sports. Uh, Travis Shaw's agent, Joe Bick, texted Morosi saying, quote, if Travis can be in a spot where a team just trusts and believes in him, they'll get tremendous results, unquote. An agent's job is to always defend their player and to defend them to the nth degree. But I think that's a little bit, if if that text, if that statement is meant, if the spirit of that statement is how it reads on paper, I think that's a little bit unfair from that agent uh, because the Brewers, while Shaw did not perform this past season, gave him opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. It took a long time of him not being productive to eventually send him to AAA. First time was uh, the, 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 you know they were able to put him on the injured list and then get him down there on a rehab assignment. Then they actually sent him. They gave him every opportunity. They believed in him. They saw what he did as a player in his in his time with the Brewers prior to this past season. So I, I don't know. I I that rubs me a little bit the wrong way because I feel like they did give him every opportunity. And you hope the best for Travis Shaw. And you know you don't know what's going to happen with him moving forward. But he has been an impact player at the major league level uh, since he's been with the Brewers until this past season. Um, as far as the other players uh, being non-tendered that you take a look at, uh, Alex Claudio was someone that was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, maybe they get him back on a lesser deal that they just couldn't work out prior to uh, arbitration or to the tender deadline. Maybe his representation wants to see what else is out there. Uh, Junior Guerra, and by the way, Big old hat tip going out to uh, Kyle Sneski, a regular, a friend of the podcast from Brew Crew Ball. He was the guy who broke that news. Nobody had it uh, before he did that uh, Junior was going to be non-tendered. And he has uh, he has really made it seem like that in all likelihood there's we're not going to see Junior Guerra back with the Brewers uh, moving forward. Jimmy Nelson is another guy. Great story for how hard he worked to try to get back uh, that arbitration number for him. I'm sure we don't know if and when Jimmy Nelson is ever going to be able to return to being a, an effective major league pitcher. That's one where I feel like, at least from Nelson's camp, if there would have been any interest from the Brewers to bring him back, maybe they could have worked out a deal, uh, but they don't, and I would be surprised to see him back. But I'm also the guy who a few weeks ago said that I thought almost everybody was going to be tendered a contract. So I guess take what I'm saying with a, with a grain of salt. I think at the end of all this, you just you look at 
you look at the, the roster change that's going to be happening for the Brewers. Yasmani Grandal, Mike Moustakis, Drew Pomerantz, Travis Shaw, Chase Anderson, Zach Davies, Junior Guerra, Alex Claudio, Jimmy Nelson, Tyler Saladino, uh, Trent Grisham, Eric Thames. Those are those guys are members of the 2019 roster that are right now as it sits not going to be on the 2020 roster. And many of those guys for sure will not be. There is still doors that are at least slightly ajar for some of them to maybe possibly uh, come back. But that is a that's a huge overhaul. The moves the Brewers have made recently have taken about $63 million off of the payroll. $63 million off the payroll. So for the Brewers to get back to last year's opening day payroll, they would need to spend about $60 million. That's a lot of money to spend, but it's also a, it's also a lot of opportunity to be able to go out there and sign some guys and make other kind of moves. I've been saying, and I've been right on this one. I was wrong on the other thing. I've been right on this one. I thought that this was going to be the most compelling offseason of the David Stearns tenure of Brewers baseball, and it has not yet disappointed. It is still incredibly compelling. There are people out there that are saying the Brewers aren't trying to win. The Brewers are just letting people walk away. Uh, there's people out there that are going to accuse me of you know trying to spin this in the right direction. To me, this is a TBD, to be determined, not to be confused with the uh, Tony Smith, Brian D. Show, TBD on 94.5 ESPN. How about that for a plug for those guys? Uh, to me, this is very much a, a TBD sort of situation. The roster as it sits right now, there is no, I don't think there's any arguing this. The roster as it sits right now for the Milwaukee Brewers it's not a playoff roster. It's not a contending roster. It's there's there's way too many holes on the roster. But there's a lot of payroll flexibility right now, and you've got a general manager who's got a pretty good track record when it comes to putting together competitive rosters. And something that will continue to stick out to me was the end of season press conference, which he was asked about that you know no brewers teams have ever made back to back to back playoff appearances and he made it pretty clear that he was well aware of that fact i don't think that they're going to pack it in this year take a step back with the idea that they can take many more steps forward in years forward years uh years ahead if say they're able to make moves to shore up the farm system a little bit or if they just make some free agent signings that don't really move the needle that much that's not what i'm expecting this year now look here here's here's the other side of it the brewers would have loved to have mike Mustakis back he got a four-year deal from cincinnati they would have loved to have yasmani grandall back but not the amount of money and the number of years that the White Sox were giving them. So is are the Brewers, is David Stearns at some sort of crossroads right now where they need to push a little bit further? They need to go into kind of a an uncomfortable area when it comes to length of contracts or an annual average value. I have to think when they gave Lorenzo Kane the deal that he, they gave Kane that that stretched him out a little bit, that that made him a little bit uncomfortable. But that doesn't happen very often with Stearns. He's, I think he has a, a value 
that he wants to place upon players, and he doesn't stretch that too terribly far. And that's called discipline, by the way. If that sounds like me criticizing him, that's not a criticism. 99% of the time, that is a very positive thing, having discipline in the way that you put together a roster. But the, the, the things that have happened here over the course of the last week have put the Brewers in a situation and a position where, yeah, there's a ton of time left in the offseason, but there's more holes now than they were than there were at the end of the regular season. And they got to figure some things out. Um, we're still early on in free agency. Does seem like free agency is moving a little bit quicker this year than in past seasons. That's good for baseball. Might not be good for the Brewers. The Brewers took advantage of slow off-seasons the last few years where guys could not go find those multi-year deals, so they come to the Brewers on a, on a one-year deal, the way Mike Moustakis, the way Asmani Grandal did this past season. There just wasn't the interest for those guys. So now it seems like off-season is moving a little bit quicker, free agency is moving a little bit quicker. Maybe the Brewers are not able to find those guys on one-year deals the way they have in previous seasons. It just adds to how compelling of an off-season this is going to be. I understand the frustration out there for people who have watched Mike Moustakis walk out the door, who have watched Yasmani Grandal walk out the door, who have watched Drew Pomerantz walk out the door, who watch a number of guys who were effective players, Junior Guerra, Alex Claudio, Travis Shaw prior to this past season, effective players who were non-tendered, Eric Thames and the option not being picked up. Like I get the, the frustration from fans that it doesn't seem like right now the Brewers are putting together a roster that is going to compete next season. And I'll repeat one more time. if I'm recording this on the evening of Monday, December 2nd. If the Brewers have to go play a baseball game on uh, on Tuesday, December 3rd, they might be in a little bit of trouble. Now, if, they're, if they're going for a championship on Tuesday, December 3rd, they may not win it. There's a lot of offseason left to, left to be played out here. Let's hold our judgment Let's wait and see what kind of offseason grade and what kind of roster overhaul. I I get the sense, you know, they're clearing so much money. I get the sense that they know exactly what they're doing. And there is very much a plan of attack to why they're doing and why they're allowing the things to happen the way they are. Maybe I'm wrong on that. If if I am, we can revisit that as the offseason starts to wind down here in a couple months. But as it sits right now, the biggest thing that the Brewers have going for them is a whole bunch of payroll flexibility. All right, that's a, that's, that's a lot here at the beginning of the program as we really try to do a deep dive on the events of the last week or so, starting with the trade and also uh, the non-tenders and the signing of Mike Moustakis. Uh, and we will have uh, well, more on that moving forward. We'll Brewers Weekly uh, this week, Thursday night on uh, WTMJ from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock. But right now, we are going to shift from the Major League discussion to the Minor League discussion. It is Part 3 the third and final part of our conversation with Brad Ford from Brew Crew Ball as uh, we do our full minor league breakdown this week, taking a look at the players who uh, topped out this past season in short season ball. The future of the Brewers organization has never been more important than it is right now. 
It's time to get an inside look at what's taking place throughout the Brewers minor league affiliates as we go down on the farm. Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast, is powered by WTMJ Mobile. It is part three. We have arrived. Part three of our full minor league breakdown. Week number four of having Brad Ford on every single week. We did a uh, major league conversation with Brad in our first week of doing this. Uh, If you missed, so two weeks ago, we focused in on uh, players who peaked out this past year, either at AAA or AA. Last week, we uh, focused in on uh, single-A players, so Carolina and Wisconsin. This uh, this conversation, we're going to focus in on guys who peaked out and, and appeared in a short-season ball this past year with the team. Now, especially for folks who are maybe listening to this right now on 540 ESPN during the Pod Center, maybe you didn't hear those conversations before, you can find this. This is a podcast. It's available, uh, Apple Podcasts, WTMJ.com, Stitcher, wherever you want to go. So uh, the, all that's available in the uh, archives, and you can find out about many of the uh, players in the minor leagues to be excited about for the Brewers. We do welcome Brad Ford back on. Follow him on Twitter at BrewCrewBlue. He is part of BrewCrewBall. Hi, Brad. Thanks for coming back on this week. Oh, man, I feel like it's been forever. I've missed your voice. Well, we'll tell people because I have no problem opening up the curtain. We are recording all three of these conversations on the same night, uh, but you're hearing them one week at a time. So uh, I have spent the last almost uh, hour and a half talking to Brad, and that's okay. I like Brad. He's somebody that's good to talk to for a while. But we are into our final conversation in our full-scale recap of the minor league season, and let's go. Uh, and we're doing it a little bit different this week. Uh, last week we we split up between you know Rocky, or excuse me, between I almost call, I almost called Triple A Rocky Mountain because I was connecting Colorado Springs, which was what it used to be, to say. Anyways, we uh, I real quick about that. Yeah. Every time I go to look up AAA stats, I never say Colorado Springs anymore, but I still type it in. It, Every single time. It's I still I, I still think of San Antonio as a double A market and I'm like, oh yeah, they're, they're the Bre- not only are they a triple A team now, they're the Brewers triple A team. And then when I see Ro- I'll tell you this, sometimes when I see Rocky Mountain, like I'm reading it, it takes me a second to connect, oh yeah, that's Colorado Springs now. Yep. <laughs> I I just, I'm still getting used to it. And what we talked about a few weeks ago, we may have to have a whole new minor league system here uh, moving forward, depending on what happens, but we won't get back into that. Uh, But we're not separating out on these guys as far as which level of short season ball that they peaked out at, whether it was uh, with Rocky Mountain, whether it was one of the Arizona teams or one of the Dominican teams. Uh, We're just going to go through uh, the uh, players who are ranked by MLB Pipeline and get Brad's take on them. A lot of these players have come up maybe in the Dominican. A lot of these guys were uh, lower draft picks last year, and uh, there's just not as much information about them, so this is going to be a little bit more of a kind of fast and furious conversation, but let's go ahead and start with a guy who is ranked in the top 10 in the Brewers system, someone who appeared in 10 games this past year in the Dominican Summer League in uh, Eduardo Garcia, who is a shortstop. So this is the one of the only times I've seen this. Eduardo Garcia comes in in like 1920 or maybe it was like 15 for the Brewers this season. Plays 10 games, gets injured and jumps up to the top 10. It it is astounding. Um, But obviously the crew at Pipeline, who I do think are very smart, uh, 
very much like his ability and there's a lot to like a uh, high hit tool which he showed off in uh his 10 games in the dominican summer league with a 313 average 450 on base percentage 469 slugging uh power is not that great but power is easy to generate in uh, the dominican summer league because you got a lot of junk ball throwers down there um but he has a, you know, he runs well, not super great, but is a pretty slick fielder. Not quite Orlando Arcia, but he's good at shortstop and could get better with age. He is just 17 after all. Um, I expect if the team is fine with it, that he'll go up to the Arizona League next year and we'll actually see him in the States. But overall, a pretty high uh, opinion of one of the top international signings from the 2018-2019 signing period. How tough is it for you to get some of the information about the uh, international guys, especially when they're first um, getting signed? Oh my god, nearly impossible. If you, uh, I just this season added Dominican Summer League pro- or, uh, box scores to my uh, weekly or daily roundups. And the reason is, is because we rarely even get video or Twitter reports from those guys. So we're really just scouting box stores or scores when it comes to that. Um, with some of these higher ranked prospects, uh, a lot of the times that's less true because they're guys that were at, featured predominantly at showcases and people saw a, it had a lot of eyes on them. And when they do go down, they like to talk about what they see. But the other guys, the, you know, players who you never have heard about before it's so hard and scouting a box store is one of the worst ways to actually evaluate individual talent there are things from box scores that will tell you if someone's doing well we talked about in one of the previous podcasts about how strikeout rates is normally a good indicator of a pitcher's potential for success as they continue on in the future Uh, the other thing is just Power and slugging percentage is a big indicator and walks and strikeouts as a hitter are a few things that are big indicators of what their success will be like as they progress up the ladder. Um, But you're also dealing in this world where there's 24, 25 year old players who are a lot of times just God awful at Dominican summer league who are there just because they need players to play. Um, and it's not like AAA where when you need players to play, you sign a former major leaguer who can't quite cut it anymore. Um, it's, you know, you just kind of sign players who literally have the ability to play baseball, but should not be playing professional baseball. So it's so hard to evaluate and especially without video, how these guys are playing and, um, Really, all we can go off of is the scouting reports that come back from more experienced people who know a little bit more what to look in into the small details. Um, And even those are few and far between. Most of the players we talk about, or many of the players, maybe not most, are going to be individuals who uh, were either drafted this past year or maybe played uh, domestically for the first time this past year. Joe Gray does not fit into that conversation. He is somebody who had played before, but this past season, 31 games at Rocky Mountain. Uh, he is number nine, so he's another top ten guy. Uh, his numbers have not completely followed that ranking quite yet, though. No, he – I've said this a lot. He's another guy I am very much writing off this year because he really dealt with a lot of injury and really tried to fight through it. Um maybe more so than everyone else in terms of fighting through it. Lots of time on the IL for an already abbreviated season and uh, at Rocky mountain. Um, but he, he did look 
pretty good out there. Um, when you, the nice thing about the team being at Rocky Mountain is you actually get video. Um, his swing looked really clean up before. There was a little bit of a delayed rotation in his hips that I didn't really like and allowed hitters or pitchers to really work him inside. He cleaned that up. His swing looks a lot cleaner. Um, and he can definitely generate the power that he was expected to really put out. Um, and his fielding is already really good and not anything um, that the team really needs to work extensively on. And it will continue to get cleaned up the more he plays out in the corners um, and some center field as he shares time out there in development. Mike Abello is kind of in that same category of somebody who has been around for a little while and somebody else who's actually has moved up in the uh, prospect rankings a bit, despite the fact that the numbers haven't totally uh, backed it up. Yeah, it came out of the gate really hot this year with uh, Rocky Mountain. But, uh, you know, first uh, full year with a professional organization uh, makes it still, it's a learning experience when you're, you know, 19, uh, it's something where I'm a little soft on the evaluation when I'm looking at that. He has a really pretty swing. I really like it. Uh, not a lot of power, but very clean. Um, and, you know, with the way he kind of attacks the ball, I don't know if he'll ever generate a lot of power. Was able to put out six home runs this year, but it was at Rocky Mountain. So you always take that at the former Colorado Springs location with a grain of salt when it comes to that type of success with uh, a power stroke. Um, can run well, fields well. Uh, there's a lot to like about Bello. Uh, I'm going to take the results with a little bit of a grain of salt. He also um, has a pretty good eye at the plate right now. Um, there's some things about his game that remind me of Troy Stokes um, uh, and some that remind me of Trent Grisham even, so a lot of little connection to some of the former prospects in the system. Um I think he can, now that Trent Grisham has uh, graduated, Troy Stokes left and went to Detroit, um, I think he'll continue progressing. I think he's going to be a high-ranking minors league uh, player. Um, and some of his rise up the prospects was a little inflate, or were a little inflated just because of other departing prospects. Carlos Rodriguez uh, split time between one of the teams in Arizona and also Rocky Mountain, spent most of the time at Rocky Mountain, 36 games, 331 average, three home runs, 12 RBIs. Uh, he is somebody who has uh, moved up a bit uh, on the pipeline list as well. Yeah, just a hitting machine. Uh, I mean, maybe a 60-hit tool and when everything develops. No power, though. Uh, power was definitely artificial at Rocky Mountain, and uh, he is maybe going to be a 5-10 to 10 home run player at maturity. Uh, can run like heck, fields very, very well. Uh, future center fielder with his speed and natural ability. Um and as a guy who can hit 300 and cause some uh, trouble on the base pass, uh, although we haven't really seen a lot of stolen bases from him yet, I know they're working on that part of the game with him. Um, does need to take more walks, though. Um, yeah, he, I feel like, especially young, whenever you're a high hit tool player, it's hard for you to take walks because you know you can hit most things thrown your way because you're her hand eye coordination so you swing and knock away a lot of stuff um but that's a problem that we can see later on down the road we've seen keston hero have some strikeout tendencies and i think a lot of it's because he's so confident in his bat um so i think rodriguez does face some of that but 
overall. Um, hopefully, lessons to learn. Just eighteen um, should be starting at Wisconsin next year. Another fairly young guy, somebody who uh, just recently turned 19 years of age. It's always weird for me when I see their birthdays and I see 2000 as the, uh, as the date of birth. That's, that's crazy. Uh, Larry Ernesto, another player who, again, it's, it's more about the potential as opposed to what he has done recently. Yeah, uh, hasn't been able to go as well as uh, Carlos Rodriguez what has. Uh, so kind of fell behind him where they were rising up the ranks together for a little bit. Um, but in his 32 games with the Brewers in Arizona League, uh, really can't hit above 200. Uh, slugging doesn't even go over 300. And his big call to fame, if you will, is his power, like prodigious power that he just has not been able to actualize into game talent. Um, he's okay in the outfield. Um, some have thought as he continues to bulk up and become slower, he'll probably be a first baseman. Um, but he'll be 20 at the end of next season, so we will really have to make an evaluation on the type of player he is um, then, uh, but was pretty highly regarded when he was coming out of his – or in his Dominican league signing class. Um, so um, hopefully we, they can turn a little bit of something, but those guys, when you sign anyone at 16, always a big gamble. Yeah. Huge, <laughs> huge gamble. Uh, could you imagine that? Like, you don't know what the body's not done doing what the body does. Like, you have no clue what they're going to turn into. No, no, it's, I can't imagine being the guy responsible for like guessing what how those guys will be. I assume if you get one out of fifty right and they actually make it into triple A, you're a saint for like your accomplishments. I I don't know how people are expected to do it, and I, I feel bad for those kids too having to make that decision at sixteen. Um, that's a huge life decision. Uh, thankfully, a lot of them are getting a lot of money, but a lot of others aren't. Uh, you listen to some of the stories, especially from a lot of current major league players who were signed for pennies just because they wanted to play. Uh, Jose Altuve being one of them. Uh, thankfully, he made something out of that. But there's a lot of guys who aren't making anything um, and or aren't ever going to advance to the Dominican Summer League getting paid that small amount of money. Uh, not to take it here, but I will for just a second. For a lot of those kids coming out of Latin America, whether it's the Dominican, whether it's Venezuela, they don't have a choice. You know, you're know, you 16 years old and you're offered $100,000 or sometimes less than that to sign. I mean, that's that that takes care of your family right there. And, and having worked in minor league baseball, I've told this story on this podcast before, but I'll say it again. Uh, when I was working in low levels of minor league baseball, the, the Latin American players – would rent out one small apartment and guys are sleeping on the floor it's one bedroom most guys don't have beds uh because what they're doing is they're taking the very small amount of money they were getting paid and sending it home it's really it's a bad situation yeah um and i get why they have to do it and why it's so tempting and i think it's a little kind of referencing back to something we talked about in the first episode a little predatory on baseball's part um because you're taking advantage of people who are desperate to provide for their family um but also the current system as it's set up has provided some of the best baseball players of our generation so i don't know it's 
it's a weird thing. You you both like it and you hate it. Somebody who was given a, a few more bucks than a hundred thousand dollars was uh, Eduardo Fernandez, who signed at one point one million dollars. He was considered the number eighteen international prospect in his class. When we talk about guys like this, again, he's uh, he's seventeen years old. I don't care what his numbers are. Uh, he played in the Dominican uh, this past year. This is all about the future for him. Right. And we did get some good reports out of him. Uh, it's always nice when a guy hits 214 and has a slugging percentage that's well over 100 points over it, even if the slugging is just 372, uh, because he's not putting a lot of balls in play at all. So to have uh, that separation, uh, which is ISO, what we talk about, is always something that I look for, especially at that age. Uh, showed good power with 11 home runs. Very fast guy. Uh, projected to have five tools. Um I, yeah, he he is exciting, has a huge ceiling, uh, and I think did everything you could ask of a seventeen-year-old this year. No, yeah, okay. That I, again, it's it's tough. It's tough to say. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I don't. Uh, I don't envy you. And you mentioned earlier, you know how you've added the the reports on the, the on the Dominican summer league. It's just so tough to know anything about these guys last one and this is the exact opposite and this is what we were talking about a moment ago uh alexis ramirez he signed for ten thousand dollars that's what he got at age 19 he signs for uh ten thousand dollars now he's moved in the top 30 clearly he's going to have an opportunity to move up uh, he got out of the dominican he was pitching at arizona uh this past year his numbers weren't uh, especially good but for your argument, what you were saying earlier, here's the guy who's kind of forced to try to make something of himself from a financial perspective because he got so little money to sign. All right. But a very dynamic guy, a huge fastball that uh, has a lot of movement on it. Uh, it sits in the lower 90s between 92 and 94. But, uh, you know, it's 6'2", 170 pounds. He'll probably add some more muscle to that frame and, you know, Max that up a couple of miles per hour. Uh, good looking curveball, but uh, as you'd expect with any 20 year old who's only had a glimpse of pro baseball before this, it really struggles with his command. Um, but I mean, his stuff is dynamic. At very worst, he has a good bullpen uh, mix that you know you can get some success from there. Um, and yeah, I mean, if that changeup comes along, he can really be a starter in the organization. But uh, right now, uh, you know, you're just happy to kind of keep advancing him along and move him to the bullpen if he ever gets completely stopped at another level. Anybody else that I really need to touch on? Because, again, those are the guys who are listed in the uh, the top 30. When it comes to... Look, there's so these rosters are huge. They're they have more than 25 players on a roster. A lot of times, players are signed literally just to fill out rosters, and they never get beyond. You're going to get some college kids who come in and put up some really good numbers at short season ball. It doesn't mean anything because it's a 23 year old guy going against an 18 year old guy. Like it's just it's so tough to look at the numbers and get any idea of who who to be excited about and who not to be excited about. For somebody like me, outside of being able to look at a list like MLB Pipeline puts together. Yeah, uh, so Rocky Mountain definitely has some recent draftees that are uh, guys I really look at uh, with high regard. One of them being uh, a younger guy, actually, our Bear Scipion. Uh, just 19, uh, has a huge speed tool um, and has looked really good. He, in his little 
25 plate appearances that he got at Rocky Mountain, hit 400 with an 800 slugging, um, you know, had no power to show, had no results uh, at Arizona League in his first major league season. And this year it comes back and he's a very uh, he's taken huge strides in development in terms of his player. So a guy I'm very excited about. Um, along with Nick Kale, a catcher drafted this year, uh, you know, has a 475 slugging at uh, Rocky Mountain, which is something you expect. Um, average took a bit of a dip, but he saw a lot of that dip come after a major injury that kept him out for a while. Um, pitching side, you have Nash Walters, a uh, guy who actually was pretty high regarded, drafted as a high schooler in the third round in 2015, but misses a lot of time between 2016 and 2019 with injury, uh, comes back and is able to pick up where he left off at in the Pioneer League and has a 3-4 ERA in 50 and a third this uh, time through. Uh, not great control, but, uh, you know, coming off of injury like that, no one can really expect much. Um, so a guy who, you know, had a lot going for him, hopefully is able to get back on top of that again. Um, another guy who pitched just four innings, but I think we should have mentioned, uh, probably I should have told, uh, brought him up at triple a because that's around the time when we deserve to bring him up because I think he'll be, in the bullpen conversation, but missed the year after Tommy John surgery is Quinton Torres Costa. Mm. Um, very much think he's going to be in the bullpen consideration, elite bullpen talent for the Brewers uh, from the left side. Uh, very good player, uh, but uh, you know a lot of guys expected a lot of great stuff from him in Triple uh, A this season. But at the very end of the season last year, he has uh, Tommy John surgery, puts him out. And uh, he comes back and has a pretty nice re-debut and also had a very nice uh, Arizona Fall League uh, appearance. Um, And then, I mean, just when you're looking at the other guys, uh, especially through the Arizona Leagues, it's getting harder and harder. Uh, uh, Zane Zerbrug was a recent draftee. You're looking at guys who, you know, really just got drafted um, and you know, made good first appearances or first impressions with the organization, but not a lot of guys who I'm ready to get excited about until they start making it past where they are right now. They definitely have some growth at this level and uh, the numbers can be very wild. Uh, You look at Andre Nenebe, 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 I'm pretty sure, Nenebe. Uh, he went 302, 392, 496 with four home runs. Another recent drafty uh, doing very well is another guy I've seen a lot of uh, people point out as someone to be excited about. Um, but like I said, there's so much development and so much time left in who these players are and who they're becoming that uh, right now it's best just to let them be and let them grow and uh, start paying closer attention as they get further along the line in the uh, farm system. All right, Brad, this was fun. Three straight weeks of talking about uh, prospects. I enjoy doing this uh, every year. Hopefully people listening were able to uh, enjoy it as well. And While the overall system might not be classified as one of the top in baseball anymore it's not it's one of the it's one of the bottom depending on what list you look at some consider the brewers minor league system to be the worst in all of baseball that doesn't mean i think we saw it late in the season this past year with the brewers that doesn't mean that there are not players in the system that don't have the opportunity to continue to develop and make an impact at the major league level right 
Um, definitely a, still a lot to be excited about in this organization. Even with, I mean, really only one top 100 prospect in Bryce Terang. Um, there's still a lot of high ceilings, a lot of really good talent that's coming along, especially when you get into the lower levels. Um, so still a lot for Brewer fans to be excited about for the future. Great stuff, Brad. We'll talk again uh, as the offseason moves along, but thank you so much for carving out so much of your time to do this. Hey, thanks, Matt, and I'll talk to you next week. Brad Ford joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. If you happen to miss either of the previous two conversations a couple weeks ago, we focused in on the guys who topped out either AAA or AA. Last week we uh, went and talked about guys who topped out at uh, either of the single-A levels uh, you can find that in the archives. If you're listening to this uh, on 540 ESPN, you can find this podcast by searching Brewers Extra Innings on Apple Podcast or Stitcher. You can also go to WTMJ.com and listen to the podcast there. So my thanks to uh, Brad Ford. We look forward to talking to you again next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.